This is a day full of life, full of new life, full of victory over death. It's all about resurrection. Happy Easter, everyone. Look, can I just say, you might be here as someone who hasn't got a faith, isn't a Christian, wouldn't call yourself a Christian, but for one reason or another, you're with us today. I'll tell you, that delights me, no end. You are so welcome. This might feel a bit of a mystery to you. What are these guys singing about? Why are they so excited today? Well, I hope I can convey a little bit of the reason Why? We've already asked some interesting questions. Why Easter? Why Jesus? Amazing answers given to that question. I almost feel as though, do I need to say anything? But I want to. I want to. Look, I'm going to show you um, a few images on the screen. I wonder if you know the well-known saying that comes with these images. Now, what what might go with this picture here? What's saying? Well known. Shout it out, Mike. A light at the end of the tunnel. tunnel. Well, that's what I was thinking of. Maybe you've got some other answers. What about the next one? Quite right from the young lad at the back. Every cloud has a silver lining. Let's have one more. I'm not sure you, you might get this. Um, goodness me, Helen. Helen. Did you hear what Helen said? It's darkest just before the dawn. Interesting, isn't it? Three images immediately speak of sayings that somehow are are well known to us, and maybe they're new to you, I accept that. But maybe you're thinking, yeah, I've heard that, light at the end of the tunnel, uh, a cloud with a silver lining, darkest just before the dawn. Now, I want to suggest, just for today at least, especially for today, that those sayings and these images all speak of hope. And on Easter Sunday, today, for the church Yes, for a Christian, yes. I want to say for everyone, in fact, then the resurrection of Jesus from death on the cross is the very embodiment of hope. It's the very proof of hope. It actually is hope in and of itself. I want to have read to us um, a few verses where we've been traveling through the gospel of Mark. Um, I've got a few verses. This is today's reading. Um, Is there anyone who'd like to read this for me? Uh, Anyone at all? Child, adult, really, really old person? (laughs) Do, Do we? Danny? Danny, I think you might, yeah, I think you might be okay. I'll hold the mic, but if, I've done it in big letters, mainly because I can't see if they were any smaller. So can you read that? This is our reading. It's from the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 16. Danny, go for it. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome bought the spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body. 
Very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? But when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. When they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in white robes sitting on the right side and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene, who was crucified. He was risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him, just as he has told you. Wow. Thank you very much, Fanny. Thank you very much. Look, if you were to read the whole account of Jesus dying on the cross, now in the Bible, you would go to what we often refer to as the four Gospels. There are four books within the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, who give their eyewitness accounts of Jesus dying on the cross. Now, if you were to read all of those accounts and kind of put together the whole story of Jesus dying on the cross, you would find that there is evidence of darkness everywhere. In fact, the accounts of the death of Jesus seem to repeat the very mention of night and darkness. So here are some examples. When Jesus took bread and wine, that's interesting straight away because someone answering the question earlier on in this service mentioned bread and wine. Who did? Who mentioned bread and wine? Tibby did. Yeah, Tibby did. So when Jesus took bread and wine and he established communion, it's something we as Christians love to do regularly together. Uh, those are symbols representing the, the broken body of Jesus, his blood shed for us. We're told this, when he took bread and wine and did all that, it was night. When Judas went out to make arrangements to betray Jesus, to the authorities, we are told expressly it was night. Now, when Jesus spoke to his closest followers, his disciples, his, um, those that he had chosen and who chose to follow him, we read this, this. This is Jesus speaking to them this very night. You will all fall away on account of me. You're all going to desert me. You're all going to run away from me. When Jesus addresses Peter directly, he said, Peter, this very night, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And when Jesus died on the cross, a darkness came over the land. We read Luke's account. It was now about the sixth hour and darkness came over the whole land until the ninth hour for the sun stopped shining. In fact, when Jesus was arrested, this is Luke's account. He said to the chief priests, the officers of the temple guard, and the elders who had come for him, Am I leading a rebellion that you have come with swords and clubs? Every day I was with you in the temple courts, and you did not lay a hand on me. But this is your hour when darkness reigns. 
Now, those are some examples of the, the repetition of night and darkness all around the cross and the death of Jesus, his arrest, Judas betraying him, Peter denying even knowing him. And I just want us to think for a few moments together just where we are. I think in life, we all face experiences and circumstances when it feels like we're in a fog. It feels like life is just hard, maybe really unpleasant, maybe really painful. It's like a cloud has descended. It's like night has come. It's like darkness seems to reign. And we all have circumstances and experiences in life that feel like that. No, I've said we all do. Am I right in saying that? I mean, is there anyone here who would say, I've never had an experience of darkness and night, of pain, hurt, disappointment, shame? I've never had that. Goodness, would anyone dare claim that? I think we're on common ground, aren't we? We've all had night experiences, dark experiences in life. Look, Esther's going to come down the middle aisle and just pass to each of you on the end of the row some post-it notes. You know it, Ebby, we love post-it notes. And a few pens just to pass along the row. Just a couple of you, hold on to them and, and share it. What I want you to do, and this is completely your choice. You might just want to do it in your mind, but actually, I want to to invite us to respond at the end using these post-it notes. So why not write on this post-it note, just where you are, have a little think about what that dark experience was. You know, that dark experience. I know we've all had more than one, but think of one that was particularly dark, one that was particularly like a fog, a cloud, night, it was hard. It was painful. It was so difficult. You may not even want to word it specifically on the post-it note. Use code. Just put a word down there. I'm just asking you to have a think now just where you are. You might want to chat to your neighbor or just whoever's with you. Just for a moment, and this is a brief note, moment. I know it's taking uh, Esther ages to come around to you. But this gives me time just to explain. I'm giving you an opportunity now just to think over your life. What has been difficult? What has been hard? What has felt like a night experience for you in your life? Write it down on the post-it note and then hold on to it. Because I'd like to invite you to do something with that at the end of my little talk. So think about it. If you want to write it down on a post-it note, then that would be fab, just because what we're going to do is quite tangible. And parents, you might want to chat to your children, you know, because they might be young, but they've probably had hard situations in their own life. I wonder what was hard for them. Maybe something at school. Maybe something that happened just that's hard. I know I may be raising some hurts, um, I don't really want to do that, but I can't see how we can really think these things through without a little bit of emotion behind it happening. So this is your opportunity just to think. Feel free to chat to someone next to you if you want to. 
It might just be one word. You might want to draw a picture of it just, just for a few moments. What has felt like a night experience, a difficult circumstance, a really hard time in your life? And write it down on that post-it note. I know this is not an enjoyable exercise. I guess it wasn't meant to be. really quite hard for me to imagine what you're writing down or what you're thinking about. At least probably every one of us is at least thinking about it. Some of us are probably writing it down. Uh, it's your choice if you want to do that. And like I said, do it in code. Do it in a vague way. If you don't want others seeing it, fully respect that privacy. And like I said, I'm not wishing to bring bring it all back. I don't want to open that lid again. I don't really want you to feel the hurt, although how can you not feel a little bit of emotion as you're doing this? But the whole point is, what are we going to do with this on Resurrection Day? What are we going to do with this? I'll explain a little bit later on. For now, hold on to it. Albeit just a little bit of pain, a little bit hurt with that maybe. I wonder if, and carry on, even as I'm speaking, carry on thinking and doing that, but I just wonder if in the middle of those dark times, there are moments when a little light appears. Is it the light that we see at the end of the tunnel? We feel as though we're in a dark tunnel, but then we see the light ahead and that's the direction we're moving in. I'm going to get out of this tunnel. I'm going to get out of this darkness. I'm going to get into the light. I, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Or is it, it feels like a cloud, but actually the cloud has a silver lining. Why? I want to get away from the cloud. I want to get out of its shadow. I want to get away from its impact. And I want to be in bright blue skies where I can see the sun. I know the sun is shining. And that's what I'm aiming for. And even if I can't see the sun right now, all I can see is the cloud. But maybe the silver lining, well, I can see that. And maybe it really feels like I'm in the darkest of nights. But I know, is there a glimmer of light on the horizon that says dawn? It, it, dawn is approaching. The sun will rise. I can't stop the sun from rising. It will rise. Day will come and extinguish my night. You see, this is about hope. This is, I'm in the middle of it, but I can see the light and this is bringing me hope and I'm, I'm getting a bit of courage. I'm getting a bit of strength. And, and this is this is why we celebrate on Easter Sunday. Mary Magdalene, didn't Danny do a great job reading this to us? Mary, the mother of James and Salome, they bought spices so that they might go to anoint Jesus' body very early, very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise. They were on their way to the tomb and they asked each other, who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? So, 
It is resurrection day. It is dawn. The sun is rising. And darkness is extinguished. The day has come. But these women, on their way to the tomb, their conversation was about a cold, dark sealed tomb, a a tomb with a huge stone across its entrance. And their question is, well, how are we going to get in to anoint the body of Jesus? Here we have spices in our hand to do so, but how are we going to get into the tomb? We're not strong enough to move that stone away. Why did they go? Why were they still on their way when they're thinking we're never going to get in, are we? But their conversation was about the night experience of the tomb and of burial and of death. And, and then, in the context of the day has arrived, the sun has risen. There's a pun with that, sun. It's a bit corny. The sun has risen. Jesus is not there anymore in that tomb. He's not here He's risen. Don't be alarmed, the angel said. You are are looking for Jesus the Nazarene who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Come on, come and see the place where they laid him. See for yourself. There is no body here anymore. The tomb is empty. And this is, this is the thrust of my, my, my talk. And it's so simple. It's so obvious. Jesus himself is our hope. We might be in difficult times, bad times, times of poverty, losing a job, hating my job, uh, broken relationships. I don't know if any of these are already what you've written down. Maybe. But... Here's the point, Jesus, it's not just that we're hoping for a better day. I'm hoping for an easier day. I'm hoping for a more comfortable day. Our hope isn't just that, though we do hope for that. I get that, we're human after all. But my hope is in a person, and that person is Jesus Christ. My hope is in him. More than that, he is my hope. He is the answer to all of my needs. He really is. He is the response to my pain and to my suffering, to my wanting. He offers me forgiveness for all of my sins, all my wrongdoing. He is my hope. He offers friendship when others have deserted me. He is my hope. He offers me comfort when I'm grieving. He is my hope. He offers me strength when I'm weak. He is my hope. He offers me wholeness when I'm broken. He is my hope. And that's why, as Christians, that's why, as church together, we're able to sing the words to these songs we sung together. And we've done so with excitement, with joy, because hope is all in that mix that Jesus is alive. And I have no problem, no difficulty whatsoever in commending Jesus to you as someone worth investing your life in. Give him your life. Choose to follow him. He is our hope. This isn't a hope that is theoretical. It's not a hope that's floating out there in the ether. It's not, I hope it's a a better day on the way. I I hope something will happen. I hope that won't happen. It's not the, the theory of this is what I'm hoping for. Jesus is. This feels wrong and right. 
To me, a lot of you will get this. To me, Jesus is the very tangible essence of hope. Tangible means you can touch it, you can hold it. And I know it's difficult because I've said that, but actually, Jesus kind of isn't a body here in our presence, but his spirit is alive. Jesus is alive, and he's with me as if he were flesh and bone. That's how tangible it feels. That's how real my hope in Jesus feels. And that's how real I want it to be for you. I believe it could be. It can be if you choose to follow him. He is our hope. I remember a few good few years ago, I needed a general anesthetic for an operation. I I had a lump in my cheek and it had to be removed. And I was on one of those weird table things um, waiting to go into the operation. And then the anesthetist comes along. And and I remember just before going under, (coughs) saying to myself... It wasn't so much, Jesus, I hope in you, although that's perfectly fine, perfectly right, perfectly true. It was more, Jesus, you are my hope. I kind of want to get out the other end of this operation, and I don't want this tumor to be cancerous. Please, Lord, please, 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 not cancer. It's not everyone's experience. The lump was removed. How relieved I am it wasn't cancer. I want to say that to you because it's my story, but I know others will say, well, good for you, Derek. I had a lump and it was cancer. But this is it. On that operating table, just before I lost consciousness, I was holding on to Jesus, literally, really, tangibly. I was holding on to Jesus. Jesus' resurrection proves that he is our hope. It proves the gospel message that he gave. The empty tomb, his resurrection is the evidence of the good news which he preached and that he shared. Good news about our past, our present and our future. As we look back, we have been forgiven for all our sins. That's what the cross and that's what the empty tomb speaks to me about. As I look to today, God is with us as a very present reality, a friend, a comfort, a strength, a help. And as we look ahead to the future, then I know as Christians, life after death isn't just something that Jesus himself experienced. Who was it? Someone said He was like an example of that because it's going to happen to me. I'm going, who said that? Someone here said it. Don't put your hand up because you're probably thinking it wasn't me or whatever. Someone said it in answer, wasn't it? That Jesus himself died, rose again, now lives in the power of an endless life. As Christians, that is our belief. It's not just a belief. It's not just a faith. It's so real to us. We will die. Our bodies will give way. But we will have eternity in heaven to look forward to. I had a group of senior citizens here on Wednesday afternoon, and it's the very thing 
that I said to them, I said, and I wasn't being rude, I said, you might be in the last 10, 20, 30 years of your life. And I said to them, I said, but I know that when this body gives way, I know you're looking at this body and thinking, Derek, that's far from giving way. <laughs> but I know that my eyes one day will close to death. And I will awaken to eternity. And Jesus is my future hope, but he is my present hope as well. I want to pray. We'll have a little time of response during worship, and then our time is over. I wasn't sure, was I? Why not make these words your prayer? Lord Jesus, I've realized by being here today and seeing this group of Christians celebrating you coming back to life, celebrating Easter Sunday, celebrating Resurrection Day, I realize that that is for me. And Jesus, I choose you. I choose to follow you. Jesus, forgive me my sin. Forgive me my wrongdoing. Forgive me every thought, word, or deed that has been against others, against myself, against you. Forgive me, Lord, and receive me. I choose to follow you, Jesus. I choose that right now. Jesus, come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Because you are my hope. In your name. Amen. And if you did pray that for the first time, tell someone here, someone you know, someone who bought you, tell me, tell Esther, tell others you've seen involved in this service. We would love to hear from you if you felt, I made a commitment today, I made a choice to follow Jesus. I'm going to invite the band to come up and lead us now as we close our service in worship. But as we worship, I want you to do something with that poster if you want, up to you. And would you, during our worship, bring that post-it and would you nail it to the cross? Haven't got nails, we got drawing pins. Be careful with them, they're sharp. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the Christians at Colossae, he said this. When you were dead in your sins and in your sinful nature... God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins, having canceled the written code with all its regulations that was against us and that stood opposed to us. He took it away. He took it away and he nailed it to the cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them. By the cross. What you've got written down on your post-it note, it kind of stands against you. It wasn't what you wanted. It wasn't what you enjoyed. It was hard. It was difficult. It was painful. And it opposes you. You want to get away from that altogether. 
And Jesus, with all that stood against us, he nailed it to the cross. And that's what I'm inviting you to do. The cross is empty, mind, because the tomb is empty. Jesus is alive. But if you want to, as we worship and as we close, just come out and nail your post-it to the note. I've cheated a little bit, or I've done it as well. I've written down, I'm going to take responsibility. It's not just things that happen to me. Some things I did, my wrongs, my sins. I know that Jesus, when he was nailed to the cross, my sins were nailed on that cross as well. And forgiveness comes. And it's stupid because there are some things that I'm ashamed of, but he set me free from them. And I'm going to nail my sins to this cross. I invite you to do the same with whatever's on your post-it note. Would you all stand with us? Go to worship. Esther will close at the very end. But if at some time during our worship you want to do this, now is as good a day as ever, maybe the best day, resurrection day, to do just this. God bless you.